You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up pretty easily. And it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com to start your free trial. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. It's our 26th year bringing you Into Tomorrow, this episode for the weekend of Friday, June 25th, 2021. As the announcer dude said, I am Dave Graveline. I am Chris Graveline, and let me interrupt you and say that your voice, to me, sounds a lot better this week even than it did last week, so good. you're doing well. Well, we're making progress, but <laughs> I got but I got to say, this just in. Vocal therapy is weird. (laughs) My first thought was, I've been in broadcasting for a 100 years. Well, it feels like it anyway. So why would I need to learn how to speak? Well, my voice therapy specialist, uh, Desiree, has been showing me some very helpful exercises, even though they're strange and weird. And I'm almost having to learn to breathe correctly all over again. But she's great at Memorial Rehab Institute in Miramar, Florida. And I feel like if I can get this right, for you know, she had me hum. That's easy, right? Hmm. Okay, now do it through a straw into a glass of water. I couldn't do it. I dare you to do that. See, I should have brought in a glass of water and a straw. I couldn't do it. I mean, eventually I did. She said, all right, let's forget the hum. Let's go to a sigh. So just... <sighs> that I can do. I can do a yeah, sigh. Yeah, you sigh every 10 <laughs> seconds. But it, so I did that, and it kind of worked. But I found that I was doing weird things with my breath. Anyway, we are coming to you for the Dexcom G6 Studios, the only continuous glucose monitor FDA permitted for kids ages two years and up. Visit D-E-X-C-O-M. And, of course, we've got to get to our normal tech news and commentary. Big Microsoft announcements this week. Yeah, this past Thursday, Microsoft held their highly anticipated Windows event. Uh, They were expected to unveil a new version of Windows, and in my opinion, they didn't disappoint. Uh, The product they announced is an entirely new version of Windows that they say will be available later this year. And because we want to get this question up front and out of the way, you can use the Microsoft PC Health Check app to see if your current PC meets the requirement to run Windows 11. And if so, you can get a free upgrade when it rolls out. So stay tuned. We'll tell you more about that, too. But some of the cool things in Windows 11. Yeah, and of course, you know, being a tech historian, one of the, you know, my first takeaways from this was at the very beginning where they mentioned that Windows has been around for 35 years already. Wow. It's hard to think about that. That's almost as old as me. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, they called it the Windows that brings you closer to the things you love. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, but it's got a lot of new stuff, including, you know, all new themes. Uh, the start menu is now in the center of the taskbar instead of, you know, those of us who have been using Windows for 35 years. Well, why would it be in the center? To- well, I don't know, because <laughs> it, it makes you the center of everything. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a cloud-powered so you can pick up where you left off on other devices. Now, that 
is interesting. Yeah, especially when you use things like uh, the one OneDrive or the, the cloud services like you know Word and, and those kind of things. You just you turn off. You're working on a document on your on your phone, you pick it up on your on your laptop right where you were. Yeah, before. and then go to the desktop and pick up where you left off on your laptop or yeah. something. Clever. So, and then those uh, those uh, Windows updates that we all love so much. Not. Yeah, but, um, they're saying they're now forty percent smaller and they can happen in the background. Really? Which hopefully is a big thing. Yeah. Well, they're also claiming it's the most secure Windows yet, which, of course, we have yet to see, but we'll keep our eyes and fingers crossed. Yeah. And in recent versions of Windows, they introduced the Snap, where you can snap two or three windows. They now have these Snap layouts, where you can choose from a predetermined layout based on the size and resolution of your screen, and Uh, Windows will will remember your preferred layout and then go to that each time. That can be handy, I think, for a lot of folks. You can now have multiple desktops. That's probably one of the most interesting things, each with a different wallpaper and set of apps. Yeah, that's big for you and me because I think we both have about 600 icons oh, on our God. desktop. Yeah, it's <laughs> so crazy. Um, they're now integrating Teams directly into Windows. So you can connect to people with the text, voice, and a video call with just a couple of clicks. And, of course, that probably means the end for Skype, which Microsoft owns. Yeah. So, hmm. Well, in their case, it would be better in the long run, but they just migrate all the Skypers. Over. I haven't used Skype yeah. in years anyway, but Windows widgets also, they say new personalized feed powered by AI, artificial intelligence, curated content, news, pictures, weather, calendar. You can rearrange and size all these widgets for whatever you prefer. Yeah, they've got uh, they've redesigned Windows to work with or without a keyboard. So they've added gestures for touchscreen devices. They say they're the same gestures that you're used to using on a trackpad, hmm. so you don't have to relearn anything. They've enabled haptic feedback for especially for handheld devices, the tablets, when you're using a, a stylus or the keyboard. Mm-hmm. They have a new on-screen touch keyboard similar to the ones on your mobile devices. You can swipe to type. I know you like doing the swipe typing. I do. Um, they also have emoji and voice typing that can automatically punctuate for you. Oh, like that too. That saves time. Big changes with Microsoft Store, they say they've rebuilt the Microsoft Store from the ground up. Android apps, I'm loving this, will work with Windows 11. Which means you'll be able to get the Into Tomorrow app for Windows. That's true. It'll be just automatic. Developers can use their own payment systems if they want. There's a big swipe at Apple. Whoa, good for them. It's like, hey, Apple. Take that. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, another big swipe. Developers can be in the store with their own, what they call commerce engine, and Microsoft gets zero cut oh, of the apps. Wow. Okay. Well, they're not being greedy yeah. for a change. Uh, they said a lot of improvements in gaming with the upcoming Windows 11. 100-plus games in Game Pass. Yeah, it's got the auto HDR, which means the graphics in games look dramatically better. Uh, and it's got direct storage API, which means that the games can load directly to the graphics card, which speeds things up a lot. Because if you're into gaming, you know speed and performance is very important. Oh, of course. Uh, latency, lag time gets you killed in a game. Yeah. So you got to watch for those. Of course, we're going to have a lot more info even on next week's show. Yeah, so we're going to go into more depth into some of these announcements. So you want to be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll have my team put a bunch of stuff together, and, and we'll bring you some really cool things on this new version of Windows. There you go. And, of course, you can always visit us any time for all kinds of updates when you hit us up at our website where when you're there you can sign up for our free podcasts and our tech newsletter among other things where do they go into tomorrow.com so did you go nuts with the uh prime days I, it, was, it was really two days they lie and say prime day but it's two days 
I wouldn't say I went nuts, but you, you know, ordered I'm, I mean, stuff. I'm, I'm nuts anyway. But, yeah, well, that's true. And I'm, and I'm nuts from from yeah from ordering from them. That's what makes me nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you did order some stuff. Was it considerably less expensive, and was it stuff you needed or just wanted, or not even either of the above? It was replacing a broken Amazon device with a new Amazon device. Oh, that's prob- great. That'll probably break by the next Prime Day, when, which is when I'll buy a ne- the next one on sale. So built-in obs- obsolescence, obsolescence, right? yeah. <laughs> built-in obsolescence from Amazon yeah. just gets you to buy more stuff from them. Yeah, so this was works. no doubt a uh, an Echo speaker or yeah. something, right? Now, in, in Amazon's defense, not that I Dump. would ever say that, I'm, I'm replacing a uh, a first-generation Echo with now a fourth-generation Echo. So I guess it lasted a few generations. Oh, jeez. But she stopped listening to me. Just like your ex-wife? Yeah, pretty much. Well, you should be used to that. Yeah. That's not a big deal. So, okay, you didn't go completely nuts. All right. So if you've ever wondered how astronauts do laundry in space, they don't. They, uh, wear- you know, come on, let's face it. What do most people wonder about how astronauts well, do this, something This is in what space? keeps me up at night, these kind of thoughts. Yeah, but come on. Everybody <laughs> wonders about the bathroom yeah. in space. Well, there's a series of hoses and vacuums. and yeah, Right, yeah. yeah. So but anyway, laundry, but, I but guess, would the, be yeah. another issue. Back to the laundry. They, they wear their underwear, gym clothes, and everything else until they can't take the filth and stink anymore, <laughs> and then they just throw them out. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. They don't do laundry? They don't. Um, NASA, of course, oh. wants to change that. Um, if not at the International Space Station, then on the moon and Mars. Um, and they want to stop throwing away tons of dirty clothes every year, stuffing them in the trash to burn up in the atmosphere aboard discarded cargo ships. So, oh, is, oh, is that what they say that's happens? That's apparently what they do. So they got stinky underwear and stuff go just burning up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Falling to Earth. Exactly. Great. Yeah. Um, so NASA has teamed up with Procter & Gamble to figure out how to best clean astronauts' clothes in space. Um, in its initial experiment, Procter & Gamble will send up detergent custom-made for space in December so that scientists can see how the enzymes and other ingredients react to six months of weightlessness. So, so how is detergent going to be custom-made for space? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then next May, stain removal pens and wipes will be delivered for testing by astronauts. And at the same time, Procter & Gamble is also developing a washer and dryer combo that could operate on the moon or even Mars using minimal amounts of water and detergent. Uh, they're saying such a machine could also prove useful in arid regions here on Earth. Interesting. Now, of course, one of the challenges they're facing is that they have to take whatever minimal amount of water they use to wash clothes in space, then they have to be able to recycle that water and turn it into drinking water, which is also what they do now with um, urine and sweat. Yeah, that's true. Now, we've known that. <laughs> yeah. But, Wow. But now water that they've used to clean their undies yeah. and other clothes right. is also so going to be That's one of the challenges. They're, they're trying to figure out now how they can then recycle that water and turn it into drinking water after it's been used to wash their stinky underwear. I would think they need to figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah, I would think so. Before everything else gets figured out. Yeah. Because, you know, you get right up to that, okay, hey, we got this. Okay, now we got to make it drinking water. Oh, that's much more difficult. Yeah. Well, now what do you do? <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, my God. When the Chromecast debuted back in 2013, you remember that, of course. We talked a lot about it. It was a legitimate revolution, an incredibly cheap, incredibly simple gadget that let you send all the streaming video on your phone straight to your TV. How cool. But as Android Police reports, in the years since, Google has steadily lost ground in the set-top box market in pretty much every metric. The big winner at the moment is indisputably surprise amazon they are kicking everyone's butt 
in the streaming war. Fire TV has tripled its market share in the last six years and is now tied with Roku. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's not just streaming. That's true. Uh, uh, Walmart is now on the brink of losing its title as the nation's largest retailer. What? Uh, Amazon, which prevailed over the competition in 2020, is on its heels. Uh, Based on current estimates, Amazon, whose share of U.S. e-commerce increased to 39% in 2020, they say should surpass Walmart as the largest U.S. retailer as soon as next year. This is according to J.P. Morgan analysts. Uh, Amazon is one of the few retailers that benefited during the pandemic, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, because as physical stores temporarily closed, people stuck at home turned to Amazon to buy groceries, cleaning supplies, and more. And that doesn't seem to be dying down. Throughout 2020, the company gained a profit of $21.3 billion. That's with a B. That's their their profit. Their profit. Wow. Uh, Now, their total revenue amounted to more than $386 billion. So they're, as we could relate as humans, their take-home. Their, their take-home pay was $21.3 billion. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and uh, Jeff Bozos is going to space. Yeah, and should stay can, there. Can he stay there? Yeah, I hope so. I told you, I, I, we talked about it last week. I signed that petition. Yeah, and, and it was up to, I don't know how many thousands of cents that have said, yeah, keep him there. Just keep him and his brother. Ah, bring the brother home. I don't know if he's a problem or not, but keep him there. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Speaking of space, it might have been a bit late out of the box for the space race, but China is making up for lost time. Three crew members have been sent to China's space station, which is not to be confused with the International Space Station. And, of course, we'll see what they might be able to accomplish, if anything, when they do that. And as Chris reminds us all the time on his This Week in Tech History, Sir Tim Berners-Lee is known as the father of the web. Well, he says he plans to auction off the source code that gave birth to the World Wide Web 30 years ago. Of course, the code for the WWW will be sold as an NFT. Now, you know what that is, right? A non-fungible something. Oh, very good. All right. Well, if you're not familiar, NFT stands for non-fungible token. There you go. That's what it was. They're units of data stored on blockchains. So maybe you want to bid on Sir Tim Berners-Lee's source code. No. As the father, not you. Nah. Okay. Somebody else listening, maybe, that's got enough, you know, money's not a problem. Or no object. <laughs> And speaking of Twitter, you want to stay tuned later in the hour when we talk about it, because we're going to be talking about one of the most popular music players in history, uh, former space rivals coming together, and then uh, how Apple effectively created the smartphone industry. Oh, uh, stay so. tuned into tomorrow. James calling in using the Ask Dave button. Thank you, James, on our site at intotomorrow.com. I want to know about aluminum battery technology. I heard that a university in California says that aluminum battery technology is far better than any type of batteries we have now. Well, James, it's just not around, and it may never be. So don't worry too much about it, for the time being at least. At the moment, that and graphene are nothing but possible technologies that may be used in a few decades. But for the moment, they're just the subject of academic papers. Yeah, the biggest advantages of aluminum-ion batteries over lithium-ion batteries are weight. They're lighter, and aluminum is less likely to catch on fire violently and quickly the way lithium-ion batteries sometimes do. The last part of that is not a big deal in applications like phones, but it's a much bigger deal on modern planes, electric cars, and other uses that require much larger and much more dangerous batteries. Now, if you've heard about the Teslas that catch on fire every now and then and can't be put out for hours, this type of battery would be less prone to that problem. 
Also, all other hybrids and electric cars seem less prone to that, too, so we wouldn't make Tesla our first option. Yeah, true. Now, the downside of aluminum-ion batteries is that their shelf life would be much shorter. And in the real world, that's a problem for virtually all of the major applications that would benefit from this type of battery. Great question, James. I hope we helped you out with that answer. And if you weren't able to hear it all or if you wanted to take notes, our show notes are there for you at intotomorrow.com. Now that we're home more than ever, we need to feel safe. Call it a sign of the times or the world we now live in. What do you want to keep safe? Wouldn't it be nice to have tested, trusted 24-7 protection? Peace of mind, real protection that's always there for you and your whole family? Well, now you can with one of our state-of-the-art home security systems. Call 800-970-8405. That's 800-970-8405. Welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. The first Apple logo featured Sir Isaac Newton sitting beneath a tree with an apple about to fall on his head. I guess they chose that that wasn't a good idea to use as the logo ultimately. Yeah. The apple with the bite taken out of which I think does not represent evil or something. Or I think sin so. Or the sin. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think it was Sir Isaac Newton taking the bite of the apple that hit him on the head. And they went, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. You are Chris Graveline. And this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. New podcasters may need some help setting everything up. Blueberry's top-notch support team is ready to help you just like they helped us. Just go to blubrry.com. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, good. The cool Into Tomorrow Hot Summer Giveaway is very well underway. And while I have to rest my voice as much as I can, and I can't project the excitement that I would like to have been able to do in that opening pre-record, you get the idea. We're pumped. And all you have to do is participate in the program. Be heard. And when you call in or send us a message via our app or otherwise... You automatically win. It's that easy. It's got to be heard on the air, of course. Mention two or three of the items you're about to hear, and we'll do our best to get one of them to you. No promises, no guarantees. Take it away, Chris. From RoboRock, we've got an S6 Max-V robotic vacuum valued at $700. Mm-hmm. Scotch sent a box full of stuff, including a cup holder, portable air purifier, and deodorizer for your car, a power-up 600-car jumper, power bank, and flashlight, and a boom bottle wireless speaker with built-in magic mount. Cool. How about from OWC? They sent a couple of things, too, including a few Envoy Pro Electron. One terabyte. It's the fastest, toughest USB-C SSD available, worth 250 bucks each. From Tivic Health, we've got some clear-up microcurrent device to relieve congestion from colds, flu, and allergies. We've already had a few requests from those from uh, callers. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Catalyst, we've got total protection cases for iPhones and for uh, Apple Watches and AirPod Pro cases. You got a car? Of course, most of us do well. 
Car Keys Express sent a bunch of key and remote replacement kits for many popular models. So, of course, they're also available at AutoZone, but you might as well win one for free. You let us know what kind of car you have, and we'll see if we can't match that up for you. From Razor, we've got Black Widow Light Silent Mechanical Keyboard and a Kyo Webcam with adjustable ring light. From TypeWise, if you've got an Android phone or Android tablet, we've got promo codes for a lifetime subscription to the TypeWise Custom Keyboard for Android. And it's really very cool. How does one participate the easiest? Well, there's three easy ways yeah. to be heard. They're all super easy. You could call the uh, Ask Dave hotline at 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. Anytime, 24-7. Anytime, 24-7. Yeah. You could use the Into Tomorrow app for your favorite uh, iOS or Android device. Uh, just search Into Tomorrow in the App Store and you'll get that. There's a Message to Studio button that'll allow you to record a message and send it right here. You can do the same kind of thing on our site, intotomorrow.com. There'll be a Ask Dave microphone, a little red thing there, either on the side or the bottom, depending on the, your browser. And you can record an audio question, comment, tech, uh, tech rage, a tip for listeners, send it that way. Just be heard, and it's all there for you at intotomorrow.com. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 855-399-9886. 855-399-9886. That's 855-399-9886. Into Tomorrow continues. It's our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in cool gadgets and gizmos and tech and software and hardware, all sorts of things available today and into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. Are you sure? Sometimes. Well, but don't mimic me. See, you ended like you're you're trying to speak like I am because I cannot speak loudly at this point. Trying to help you feel better. No, that's uh, that's mimicking me. <laughs> That's not making it's me the, feel it's better. It's the sincerest form of flattery. No, it's not. Yeah. I won't go there. Okay. Gary in Tupelo, Mississippi, listens on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Gary, welcome into tomorrow. I have an S8 Plus Samsung phone. Bixby has gotten turned on, and I cannot turn it off. It keeps turning my phone on every eight seconds, and it keeps running my battery down. How can I fix this? Throw it away. And get an iPhone. No, don't no. get an iPhone, no. I have the same problem, Gary, because I hate Bixby. It's a pain in the butt. And, of course, that's the stuff. It's part of the crapware that Samsung loads up on all their phones. Well, and I've got the Samsung Gear Watch, and it keeps prompting me to turn Bixby on and use it. Say, no, I don't want to. Exactly. 
Well, just Stupid. tell them you don't Bix- want to. Bixby's dumb. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Ed Gary, frankly, in modern versions of Samsung's operating system, you should be able to turn it off by going into your phone's settings and then navigating to Advanced Features. Once there, you should be able to see an option to turn off Bixby features. Now, it's still going to be there. You can't uninstall it or get rid of it altogether, but you can turn it off, hopefully. Now, alternatively, you could uh, just be able to hold your finger on your home screen for a few seconds and then swipe to the left. That should reveal a toggle to turn off Bixby. And given that you didn't turn it off intentionally, it's a good bet that you accidentally turned it on that way. Yeah, and that's usually what it does. I mean, it just sort of creeps up on us. And I don't like it either. I can relate to Gary and a lot of people listening saying, oh, yeah, that Bixby. Now, there are some, I've heard from some of our audience, that said, no, they like it. Well, good. That's well, just, you like Siri. You know, well, I, yeah, I tolerate Siri. Yeah, that's but, different. You know, and I've even said this on the show. The, the only, quote, unquote, assistant, voice assistant I've found that it's worse than Bixby is probably Cortana. Oh, oh geez, yeah. On our Windows computers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get a, a daily briefing from Cortana that I immediately delete without even looking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also a pain. Yeah. Don't you just love that tech? Gene in Brunswick, Georgia, listens on 93.7 FM WBQO. And we love you for it, calling in using the Ask Dave button on our site. Hey, Gene. Dave, what kind of device can I get that's not expensive? And will give me Wi-Fi in my camper. Hmm. Well, Gene, all of your choices will require some kind of phone service. So your first and least expensive option is your smartphone. It probably has a hotspot built in already, so you can use that to get accessed in your camper right away. Yeah, just make sure you check with your carrier, because sometimes in order to use that hotspot, you need to, of course, have an add-on service, and, yeah. and they charge you more. I mean, I, I think we're, you know, we're with T-Mobile. I don't think. I know we're with T-Mobile, <laughs> and uh, we get some kind of free hotspot, but it's a very low speed. And if we right. want the full-speed hotspot, we got to pay, pay $5 a month extra. True. Know? For those rare occasions, in our cases, where we've needed a hotspot, you know, in the car for Cameron or something of that nature, the speed just drops down to 3G, basically, right, yeah. is how they do it. And that's fine. I mean, you know, he's he's looking up lyrics or he's, you know, trying to play a game or something. He's fine with that. But if you need more speed regularly, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, and if you want a separate device, there are standalone hotspots that you can buy from the different phone companies. The cost is pretty variable and largely depends on what plan you want. Uh, if you're willing to sign up for a plan with a monthly fee, you might be able to get the device for free or for very little. Otherwise, it might cost you up to a few hundred dollars. Now, the advantage of that approach is that you can have both your phone and the hotspot as options, depending on which service provider has a better signal where you happen to be. Yeah, and we've always recommended, if you go that route, Gene, or anyone else listening that wants to do something similar, and let's say your phone is on T-Mobile, consider an AT&T or Verizon separate hotspot or MiFi type unit, if you will, because you then have that option. Okay, well, you know, my, my Verizon signal is really weak where we are at the moment, but my T-Mobile signal's better. So you could then use the hotspot on your phone, again, not paying any extra, just your 
service is going to be less speed, but it might do the job for you. Especially if your phone does uh, Wi-Fi calling, which, you know, of course, most phones these days do. And um, I use Wi-Fi calling because I, I get terrible T-Mobile signal at my house. Hmm. I mean, absolute worst signal. I've had to drive to the front of my community in order to even get a signal. <laughs> That's but, pretty sad. But at least when I'm at home, it's on Wi-Fi calling. So if I make phone calls, it's on Wi-Fi, which I have full signal. So if you've yeah. got a hotspot on a different carrier and that one has good coverage where you're at, but your cell phone doesn't, at least you can use Wi-Fi calling to then still make your phone calls. Very true. Kent in Chandler, Texas, listens on KTBB, their AM and FM, and out of Tyler, Texas, great radio station. Hey, Kent, welcome into tomorrow. I recently got a notice that my battery on my Dell Latitude laptop is nearing the end of its useful life. I wonder if this is a part that I can purchase and easily replace myself. The older batteries were just clip in, but this new one is only installed by taking out some screws, and I'm not very confident in my ability to get inside my laptop. If I have to take the laptop apart at all, I'm not interested in that. So I'd like to know how difficult it is to replace the battery in that. Well, uh, Kent, I don't blame you. A lot of us would rather not get into the laptops and that sort of thing. I've I've always handed mine to Chris and say, here, you're also our technical director. Technical direct this, uh, because I don't want to mess it up. It really depends, though, on your specific model. The latitude line is pretty big, but on modern laptops, it will definitely take a little bit more work than with the uh, clip-in models, if you will. If there isn't a specific compartment for the battery that you can access from the outside, then Dell probably considers it not user-replaceable. But don't let that dissuade you altogether if you want to hang on to your laptop for a while longer. That mostly means they're not going to make it easy for you. Normally, replacing a battery involves removing the whole bottom plate of the laptop. Uh, When you do that, you should be careful. Some manufacturers stick cables to it that keep them from moving around. You can usually peel them off easily. Just don't pull as soon as you open it out until you know that you won't be pulling anything off. From there, things will vary depending on the model. Batteries are large, so they are usually easily accessible. But laptop components are pretty packed in, so sometimes their connectors are buried under some other part. Yeah. Now, if you're going to attempt this, Kent, look for step-by-step guides online with pictures. iFixit.com is a good place to start. Those will show you both what to expect and how to reverse what you did if you have to. Uh, Keep some tray very handy for screws and that sort of thing. There tend to be quite a few in different sizes. Lastly, be very gentle with everything you remove. As Chris said, you know, even the back, you've got to just take your time. You don't want to crack a small piece of plastic or have a loose connector to deal with after you put the laptop back together. Kind of the old joke of, you know, I put it all back together, but what about these extra parts? You know, that's not a good thing. Long story short, a battery swap is probably not going to be too hard to do. Uh, Try to find a guide for your specific latitude model before you start, but don't think you won't be able to do it just because they're not clip-on anymore. Yeah, Uh, it's a good thing to do, and you get a great feeling of accomplishment when it finally boots back up. (laughs) And you can use your computer, and you can say, I did that. And hopefully you don't have any extra screws left over. Yeah, or any extra anything else. And it's not just so much plastic parts either, but printed circuit boards. They can crack very easily. So we're not trying to scare you. We're just trying to say be very careful when you do something like that yourself. Kent, let us know. Intotomorrow.com is where we would love to meet you anytime.
This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. Get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at Blueberry.com. It's like a blueberry without the E's. So B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. This is Cameron Graveline. I bet that you have a question about anything involving consumer tech. Or maybe you want to help another one of our listeners with your experience with a similar problem. Call me anytime at 800-899-INTO. I love how he says call him anytime. Which is true. I mean, you can say, hey, Cam. Oh, by the way, Dave and Chris, you know, that's fine. And if you call him at that number and then ask us a question or tell us something about tech, you'll uh, be qualified for our big uh, Cool Into Tomorrow Hot Summer giveaway. Oh, good point. So, yes, call Cameron because he's very fond of saying, call in, win stuff. Thank you. And let me just say, I mean, you, you hear us announcing all the time all the cool stuff we have for the giveaway. You want to get those calls in early because we start sending stuff out. People request the, the cool stuff early on. so that Well, it's all cool stuff. Well, yeah. But, well, the cool <laughs> list of the cool, you know, just, you know True. tends to go fast. So Yeah. If you've got any tech question, you want to help another listener, as Cam said. Uh, maybe you have some tech rage you want to share. Feel free and, and speak your mind. We've got a bleep button. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. We got you. Whatever the case, maybe you want to share your favorite apps these days, but tell us why also, not just, oh, I like this one, but you got to be heard on the air. You know, we had another couple of calls this past week where people were saying things that had nothing to do with the show or tech or otherwise, but they just wanted to win something. Well, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, we got a call in a couple of weeks ago that said somebody, somebody was just saying, I appreciate your show. Now, I'd lo- I would love to win a this or this or this. It's like, well, we appreciate that you appreciate us, but that doesn't really qualify you. <laughs> right. That's why we say participate on the program in one fashion or another. So be fair, and we're fair. We want to send out all these goodies. But as Chris said, don't wait. If you've got anything at all on your mind, let us know early on. What would the number be that they can call or the other ways that make it? we make it so easy? You can call 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. You can use the free Into Tomorrow app to send a message to studio, or you can uh, hit that uh, Ask Dave microphone thing on our microphone thing. <laughs> thing. Little that's, button. That's the, yeah. high, that's the high text yes. uh, description. Yes, it's uh, right there on our site at intotomorrow.com. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Oh, and by the way, in case you weren't sure, uh, we, Cam identified himself, but I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline, and this portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. Text RADIO to 35000 to get more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 350 Jump aboard the time machine. You got mail. Time to head into yesterday with this week in tech history. History, history, history. Thank God. Here's Chris. My voice is not history, but I have to be very careful, be very delicate. So here you go. You can project. Okay. Well, this week in 1925, a patent for the frosted electric light bulb was filed by Marvin Pipkin. Clear incandescent lamps gave off very sharp light, which was unpleasant to many people, and it also made it difficult to see items close to the bulb. 
Okay, it wasn't that bright. No. But. Every earlier attempt to create a frosted bulb resulted in a weaker bulb that would often shatter. So Pipkin's employer, General Electric, sent him on a seemingly impossible mission of creating a strong frosted light bulb. Most illogical. That's what everybody said at the time. Uh, Pipkin's new frosted bulb revolutionized the industry, allowing the manufacturer of a frosted bulb that diffused the light without losing much intensity. Uh-huh. And were strong enough to be commercially viable. In 1975 this week, Steve Wozniak tested his first prototype of the Apple One computer that he co-developed with friend and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. Which I think is exactly what Steve Jobs sang. (laughs) Uh, To finance its creation, Jobs sold his only motorized means of transportation, a VW microbus, for a few hundred dollars. And Wozniak sold his HP 65 calculator for $500. The Apple One went on sale in July of 1976. And one, cool. of my, one of my favorite items is that it, when it went on sale, it sold for $666.66 because Steve Wozniak liked repeating numbers. But why that number? A lot, of peop- a lot of people wondered yeah. and why he's not a multi-billionaire now. Uh-huh. Mm. In 1979 this week, Sony introduced the Walkman, a portable cassette player that allowed people to listen to music of their choice anywhere <laughs> while they were on the move. Its popularity made Walkman an unofficial term for personal stereos of any producer or brand, kind of like how everybody calls tablets iPads. Yeah, and Uh, that's not the case. The Walkman was arguably the most popular music player up until the release of the Apple iPod in 2001. By the time production stopped in 2010, Sony had built about 200 million cassette-based Walkmans. Or would that be Walkmen? So it would be. (laughs) They were a bunch. In 1995 this week, the U.S. space shuttle Atlantis docked with the Russian space station Mir. This was also the 100th human space mission in American history. The combined mission between former rival space programs created the largest man-made satellite ever to orbit the Earth. I'll be back. The joint craft were visible from Earth as a fast-moving shiny star and carried a record 10 people, six Americans and four Russians. In 2005 this week, Internet search leader Google unveiled its free 3D satellite mapping technology, Google Earth. Google Earth actually began life in 1999, a software called Keyhole Earth Viewer. It was sold on CDs for use in fields such as real estate, urban planning, defense, and intelligence, with users paying a yearly fee for the service. As with many other technologies, it caught the eye of Google, who acquired Keyhole in 2004, rebranding the software as Google Earth and relaunching it as a free product. All systems are functioning within normal parameters. And this week in 2007, the Apple iPhone went on sale across the U.S. It rapidly revolutionized worldwide communications. Apple created the device during a secretive and unprecedented collaboration with Singular Wireless, which is now AT&T. Apple's Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone as a combination of three devices, a widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough Internet communicator. Oh, my. That's our look back at This Week in Tech History, brought to you by IFA in Berlin, the global innovation show since 1924 for consumer tech and home appliances, and by IFA Next, the launchpad for innovation. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Someone's at your door. Oh, why don't you check that during the commercial break? It's probably more cool prizes for our hot summer giveaway. Check them all out at intotomorrow.com. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. After I left baseball, I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. So I got back into the game with Nugenics. 
I'm feeling stronger with a lot more energy and drive. You want to get back into shape? Get Nugenics. All you have to do is send one simple text. Frank's right. Just text STAY to 321321 to get a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics samples are not available in stores. To get your complimentary bottle, text STAY to 321321. That's S-T-A-Y to 321321. Welcome back into tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on the program. It's even more thankful when you... Let us hear you on the program. Oh, and you win prizes. By the way, in 2010, the United States Air Force used 1,760 PlayStation 3 consoles to build a supercomputer for the Department of Defense. They used PS3s because it was, as they said, more cost-efficient and green. <laughs> well, but see, but they used 1,760. If they were using their heads, they would have used 1,776 of them. Ah, see, that would have been good. But no, they didn't do that. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by StreamGuys.com. Don't forget you can listen 24-7 on our website. StreamGuys helps us stream the last several weeks of Into Tomorrow nonstop at IntoTomorrow.com and on the free Into Tomorrow app. There you go. Just what you need. Me and Chris and Cameron nonstop. Check it out. Deb in Darien, Georgia, listens online and WBQO, 93.7 FM. Hello, Deb. I kind of like to know the history of how the designation letters for thumb drives, flash drives, those kind of things. And I, it's changed because now I get I have a Max One really big gig uh, hard drive backup. And I take it to work. I take I, I do it at home. All my good files are on there. But it says I and then E. How how does that work like that? And and can you give give a history of how uh, the assignments went through the years? Thank you. Love you guys. A happy twenty six. Oh well, thank you, Deb. Love you as well. Uh, there's not much of a history to speak of. Originally, computers had floppy disk drives, so those were just identified with the first letters of the alphabet, A. And when a second became more common, a B drive. Yeah. By the time hard drives came around, they just defaulted to the next letter, the C drive, and then after that, optical drives got the designation of D drive. So the thing is, none of these are actually set in stone or even important. You can change them to other letters, and everything will still continue to work. It's just a convention, but not anything that is necessary for Windows or DOS to be able to function. And most other operating systems don't use that convention at all. Yeah. and But Deb, I th- it's a good question. I think it's pretty cool because we've also had other listeners that have called in and says, my drive letters are changing on their own. You know, but, oh, did you plug in a USB drive and maybe it sort of took over that spot? Oh, I did, actually, or things like that. And some of us have gotten, you know, just weird about it. I've given my drive letters or letters based on what's on it. So I have, like, my my drive that has all the video on it is the V drive. You know, I have (laughs) That's clever. Yeah, I've made my B drive as the backup. And then I actually have a J drive with old files that I don't need, and I use that as junk. 
Oh, okay. Well, see, it, it kind of makes sense that way. But if you rename a drive, don't you have to rename anything that points to that drive? Well, you just tell, tell, the, tell the operating system that this drive should now have this letter, and then it knows to do everything else. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm impressed. I should have asked Dave. Deb, I hope that helped you out, and thank you again so much for your kind words and for calling in and participating. Stay tuned. IntoTomorrow.com. 